You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Um, Alec, wow, man, a hockey player from Houston. I would have never pegged that. We didn't get that on his resume at all, but now that we know, we will, we will exploit that because um, that's going to be fun. But I do want to give a shout out to Alec because I came up here Wednesday night to see how the, the fall youth kickoff was going to go, and man, it was chaos in this room. It was awesome, and if you are a youth leader, I love you. I love you so much. It, you were so incredible um, this Wednesday night. I'm excited. If you've got teenagers, if you've got students, 6th through 12th grade, and you haven't gotten them here on a Wednesday night, I, oh, you just need to do that. And uh, if you are a student and you haven't been, what's wrong with you? Um, so it is awesome. And uh, I'm excited. I came up, too, because they had chicken and waffles. I heard that on the announcements last weekend. Like, I think I'm going to go do my pastoral duty. Check this out, you know, to see what kind of... <laughs> quality of food they are given at the Creek Church. Uh, but I uh, also want to say welcome, huge welcome to um, Aaron and Saba Vasquez. Or Aaron and Saba Vasquez, would you guys stand up? Let us welcome you. Um, Aaron and Saba are our missionaries in Toronto, Canada, and um, church planting machines right there. They are church planting fools. So if you, if you haven't gotten to know them, get to know them. Um, they're incredible. I love them. And uh, they get to be in town for a couple more weeks, right? So we got you. No, just like, let's, a couple more weeks, yeah? A week. It's coming. It's coming. But if you don't, if you don't get to know, get, haven't got to know Aaron and Saba, please do that. Saba's taught at our uh, men's breakfast last week, and man, it was, it was incredible. So uh, I love it. A lot of stuff going on around here. Um, you heard Alec talk about the backpacks with Gillen, and I just want to say something. He didn't share this story, and I can share this story without getting teared up. If you know Pastor Tammy, our children's pastor, she can't tell stories like this without crying. She's our resident crier, we'll call her. But so she starts telling me this story this week about, about uh, uh, taking some backpacks. So we, we work with Northbrook Elementary. We've done that for, for several years. And uh, uh, we had a connection to take some backpacks to Gilliland Elementary this, this past week. And so Pastor Tammy rolls up with her car. She's got 20 backpacks. And, and so uh, the vice principal and the counselor are helping her unload these backpacks. And the teacher walks by. I was like, what are you doing? And the, the, the vice principal says, this is my sister's church. They're bringing us backpacks full of supplies. And the teacher goes, cool. And so Tammy's already crying at this point. I was like, why are you crying? I mean, you're just dropping backpacks off. I mean, we do that every year. She goes, oh, no, it gets better. And so she composed herself a little bit. She said, when she walked into the school, the teacher had gone into the school and shared with other teachers what was going on. So when they got in, um, there were teachers that had lined the halls, and they were crying and clapping and thanking them because they haven't had anybody give them help with, help with supplies in several years. The teachers have been buying the supplies out of their own pockets because, you know, teachers make bank, right? And so, you know, they can afford to do that. But, um, and so they were just overwhelmed by, by your generosity. And so I, I don't, we don't say things like that to build your pride or our pride. We say that because we're grateful to be a part of a church that loves and serves our community. And so thank you for loving and serving people you've never met, and I hope that you get to meet them. Um, and so we're going to work on ways that we can have some more connections with even, even more schools in our district, and, because that's what we're called to do. We love it. Uh, this week, we're doing a restart in relationships. We're closing the series, and uh, this one, I'm just going to say, is a, it's a little difficult teaching this week because relationships, man, those are, those are something that cause a lot of pain, right? Um, relationships are what we're designed for and wired for, and relationships can cause a lot a lot of joy in our life and a lot of issues in our life. 
So going into this, we got to understand we all got baggage. We all got issues with relationships, okay? None of us have a perfect track record in our past for the relationships we've experienced. And one of the things that we really value at the church and really have set as our vision is to help you be set in family, because we believe that when you come in and you experience a life-changing moment with Jesus, when you, your faith is ignited and he, he changes everything about your past, your present, your future, he sets you in a relationship with God. And then we want to help set you in family because that's what church is. It's a giant family. We got, there's a lot of craziness and dysfunction in the family. I just got to warn you, but we got a perfect head. Okay, Jesus is the head of his family. He's perfect. We're not. And we want to help you experience that family uh, feel and that connection. One of the ways we're going to do that in a couple weeks is we do our small group expo. If you've never been here as a part of that, it gets crazy in here. Just let me explain to you. It gets crazy in here, okay? We end service a little bit early, so you leave your kids back there. You got to go pick up your kids at some point, but, but you can leave them back there a little bit longer, and it's a way for you to meet all the small groups that are going on here at the creek. Small group leaders, lock in for a second. You need to bring good candy that weekend, all right? You bring, bring the A game, and, 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 and for that one small group leader that wants to trump everybody else in the church, let me help you. Chips and salsa, all right? <laughs> bring it, okay? Or you bring a Rosa's taco, breakfast taco. I'm telling you, there's going to be supernatural stuff happening that weekend, especially if I get one of them. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome weekend. So if you got your Bible, go to John chapter 13. And uh, looking at relationships, it's, it, it's interesting because uh, a lot of us lean into technology for our relationship. And technology is not going to help us uh, have solid connections. It may, it may be like a, an aid, you know, to help you uh, keep connected with some people in your life, but there's nothing like face-to-face human interaction, getting together, going out and sitting across a table from each other, you know, having, having a meal together. There's something about church and food, right? And it just, it just goes together. But I read a stat this week from scientists that said that if you have healthy friendships and you sit down and have dinner with each other, it actually has better health benefits than regular exercise. To which I have now come up with a new philosophy. (laughs) We are done with kale and cardio, okay? I say we all go out, get some chicken fried steak, extra gravy, mashed potatoes. Hey, I'm preaching now, right? We're gonna start shouting, right? But scientists have determined that, that the health of our friendships actually pours into our physical health. It's healthy to have friendships. Why? Because we're wired for it. We're created for connection. We're created for relationship. God wired us that way. And Jesus sets a model for us. In John chapter 15, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, my commandment is this. I'm going to give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one this than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus is saying this in John 15. I asked you to go to John 13 because Jesus is going to set something up for us. The reason he can say this in John 15, that this command I give you to love one another as I have loved you, it's because he's done something to set it up. He showed us. Jesus never asks us to do something he's unwilling to do. He's never going to ask us to do something that he hasn't already stepped out and done. So when he says, love one another as I have loved you, he has already shown his disciples how he loves. He's already set the bar for them. 
He's made this target. And most of us, we just have a hard time with this target. We have a hard time with this idea because Jesus goes right to the heart because most of us don't live that way with relationships. I said earlier, we got relational baggage and, and where most of us live today in our relationship are in several different areas. Most of us live isolated. We're just lonely. We got a connected generation online, but we've got no human interaction and we're, and we're lonely. And not everybody wants to be lonely. I mean, you may be isolated and lonely, but you don't want to be that way. Maybe it's just the season of life that you're in. If you got kids, they're going to dictate a lot of your life. We just started back to school, praise the Lord. I said, I don't, have, I don't deal with school, okay? I'm excited to go back to school this year because I don't have to get up. I don't have to take anybody to school. I don't have to stand in the middle of the house going, we got to go. How long? I raised two girls. Well, Heather and I raised two girls. I was there for a lot of it. I don't have to deal with any of that. So I love going back to school because I like the routine. I like getting things back going in the way they're supposed to go. But I know if you've got kids, that's going to dictate a lot of your life right now. If you've got more than one kid, it's, it's crazy. I was watching a watching guy, and he, they asked him, what's it like to have five kids? And he goes, imagine you've got four kids and you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. So that's, that's just the season of life that you're in. That's the season of life you're in. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're feeling isolated because you've, you've just moved here. I mean, we're a transient culture, and, and so uh, we got people moving into Texas all of the time, and, and you may have moved here, and you feel like you left your entire support network. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's friends, and, and you feel just isolated because you're trying to start new. If you're in the military, thank you. We love you. We thank you for your service. One of the sacrifices that you realize as a part of the military service is having to move every several years and kind of restarting in that. But you might feel isolated, and that's, that's just kind of where we are. Some of us uh, come from, I would say not some of us, all of us come from some brokenness in relationships. We've all experienced relational pain. We've all experienced hurt in our past by someone. But that can't become an excuse because just as much as we can acknowledge that every one of us have been hurt by some relationship in the past, we also have to understand that every one of us has caused some hurt in a relationship. And so broken relationships can't be the excuse. Many of us just kind of put up, put up a wall because the past hurt that we've had, our, our, we, we, we kind of come to this conclusion. I don't want to get connected in some, some deep relationships because everybody just wants something from me. I hate to tell you, there's a lot of people out there that are like that with the church. I don't have anything to do with the church because the church just wants something from me. The church just wants my money. The church just wants my time. The church just wants me to do what they want me to do. I tell you, it's the church's responsibility to change that mentality. Somewhere along the way, the church has said, we want something from you. And it's up to the church, us, to change that. And, and, and some of you, we all deal with this to some level. Just, we just got unhealthy relationships, toxic relationships. I mean, just the life-sucking, draining Relationships that don't, don't bring us any closer to God. They don't, they don't build into any of our character. It, it, it's, just, it's just those relationships that we think we're going to be change agents in, and, and we end up being the followers. 
And, and maybe you just keep gravitating back towards dysfunctional relationships because you, you, you think that's all you're worthy of. Maybe you haven't let Jesus really restart your identity, and, and so you realize, I, I, I'm a daughter of the Most High King. I'm a son of the King, and, and, and I can have these great relationships in my life instead of just going back to some man you think you, think you deserve. And so we just end up gravitating to that. Let, let, me, let me say something about this because we, we, we need to constantly do an inventory of our relationship. Do your relationships, do they, they create moments of happiness or are they pushing you to holiness? And I'm not saying that any non-Christian friends, you gotta like excommunicate. Please don't do that because then the church gets really jacked up. Then we start trying to isolate ourselves and say all the bad people are out there. If we, if we were going to not let bad people in the church, hey, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Neither would you. So we struggle with this because we're, we can't hit this target that Jesus is saying that love one another as I have loved you. And, and where Jesus is going to help us is, is in John 13. He's going to actually set a model for us. He's gonna show us. In John 13, verse five, what's going on here is, is Jesus, they're getting ready to do um, the Last Supper. And, and, and it's interesting, in the book of John, um, 40-something percent of the book of John, the gospel of John, is on the last week of Jesus' life. And 30% of the gospel is on the last day of his life. And Jesus is trying to do something in his disciples' lives. He's trying to do two things. He's trying to explain to them what he's about to do and accomplish in the cross. And, and, and he's trying to help prepare them in how they're going to live and how they should live as a result of what he accomplishes on the cross. He's really trying to invest in them so they can live in light of what happens with his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and he's ha- getting ready to have this meal with his with his. Uh, Disciples, And in verse five, it says this, Jesus um, took off his, uh, he poured water in the basin. Jesus poured water in the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? It gets awkward real quick, right? I mean, we're not, this is not setting up a creek foot washing, okay? We ain't gonna have that up in here today. I don't wanna see or smell your feet. I don't wanna deal with that, Okay. There's a cultural context that we're going to teach in this, okay? But here's what I would say. Jesus is modeling to them what it looks like to love and serve. The position of foot washer in this context of their their community was the lowest servant in the house would be the one to wash the feet of the guests because they would roll up in and their feet would be just nasty, okay? And he would get down and wash your feet. So Jesus is throwing them for a loop here because he's the one that's getting ready to wash their feet. He comes to Peter, and Peter's like, this is weird. You're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. We talked about Peter last week. He, he, Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And now he's saying, you're not going to be the one to wash my feet. Washing feet's a pretty dirty job. It takes humility. And our cultural context, this isn't about foot washing, okay? Don't show up tomorrow to your job 
and try to wash someone's feet in your office. You will end up in HR. I can pro- I'm speaking prophetically right now. You will end up in HR, and then I'm going to get a prayer request, praying for a new job, Pastor Matt, and, you know, we need some help. Here, here's what it looks like. Are we love, how are we loving and serving in the context of our society? And washing feet. I mean, you get in there, it's all kind of nasty. The toe jam in between. Y'all don't want to go there, do you? But let me tell you something. There better be somebody in your life that sees what's between your toes and still loves you. Right, honey? Even with my funky toenails and all. You're going to get this image burned in. All right? I did. It's on there. It's on there. I'm not talking about no heavenly pedicure. (laughs) I mean, we all got stuff in our life, and we need somebody close to us that sees. I'm not saying we go publicly announce every one of our issues to everybody. You won't have any relationship if that's the case. But there's got to be somebody in your life that knows what you struggle with, knows what's going on. It's willing to get in the dirt and get in the messiness of life with you. And we have a hard time experiencing this. And so Peter's like, you washing my feet? And Jesus said, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Some translations say you have no part of what I'm doing. Peter, if you, if you want to be a part of what I'm going to do through you, if you want me, the power of the resurrection that you're going to see and that you're going to experience and the power of the resurrection that's going to transform the world, if you want to be a part of that, it starts right here. You've got to let me serve you and set a model for what it looks like to serve another person. Otherwise, this gospel's not going to get traction. The early church had to survive by serving one another. The power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit at work in their community, and they had to serve and love one another to get the traction needed. How have we gotten away from that? Jesus is saying, Peter, if you want me to work in you and through you, this has to happen. You've got to let me in, Peter, to this awkward moment, to the awkwardness of how this feels. Jesus has got to get in the awkwardness of our life in order for us to share with him. And so Peter then explains it, then wash everything. Do my head, my whole body. I'm all in. Let's do this. And Jesus is showing us the reason he can say, love one another as I have loved you is because he showed us what this love is. After he said, love one another as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. What did Jesus do? He goes to the cross and lays down his life for us. And it's hard for us to experience this because we, we, we see this target and, and, and there's some things that get in our way of, of experiencing this. One thing is we, we just struggle with unmet expectations, And the hard part about expectations, most of our expectations are uncommunicated. 
When we do premarital counseling, we do a program called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, and it's interesting. We get, we get the bride and the groom to be in the, in the room together, and, you know, we're talking, and, and we try to get them to vocalize expectations. So what's your, to the ladies, what's your expectation in this marriage? Let's talk about this. To the, to the, the husband to be, what's your expectation in this marriage? We've got to start communicating these expectations, Because most of us end up disappointed in relationship because we've never communicated an expectation that we're holding on. Some of us have just unrealistic expectations. We gotta deal with that. I was working with a couple that was, they'd been, it was their first year of marriage and they hit a little bump in the road. And the bump in the road had to deal with her birthday. Because every year growing up on her birthday, her mom made her waffles and brought it in. She had waffles, breakfast in bed, and sang happy birthday to her. That's the first thing she experienced on her birthday morning and in the first year of marriage. <laughs> her birthday comes, and her, they, they wake up, and her husband's like, hi, baby, happy birthday, love you. I'll see you tonight. I got us reservations at a nice restaurant. We're gonna go out and celebrate your birthday. I love you. Happy birthday. And I made sure when we were kind of in this meeting, did he say happy birthday? He said happy birthday. Did he say I love you? He said I love you. But for her, the birthday was tanked because her expectation was her new husband was going to be the one to serve her waffles in bed. But she had never communicated that expectation. And so she has this disappointment in the relationship. How many of us have false, unrealistic, and uncommunicated expectations in our relationships? The other thing is we haven't dealt with offenses. I mean, every one of us, we're going to be offended by someone in a relationship. We're going to have offense. We deal with an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy every relationship you have. He wants you dead. Uh, he doesn't, he's not letting up on this. And his ultimate goal in your life and my life is destruction. And his strategy to reach the goal of destruction is division. The tactics for how he creates division is offenses. And he is working against your marriage. He's working against every relationship that you have. Heather, it's just ironic that this week I'm preaching about relationships and Heather and I decided to do a home improvement project. Because there is nothing in our marriage that tests us more than these jacked up home improvement projects. I'm just, can I just, can I just testify for a minute? I hate them. We don't gauge the success of our project on how good the end product looks. We gauge about, are we still in love? It might take a couple hours after we finish to answer that question, right, baby? But we still come back together and we love each other. We made it. We painted this week. Why? <laughs> There's an enemy that's after us, after our relationships. And you're going to deal with offenses. And when we begin to carry those, they build a fence that creates the division. And we begin to keep people at arm's length. Oh, I'm not going to get involved with that because they just want something from me. I'm not going to get involved with that because, man, I, I've been hurt like that before. 
You stay at arm's distance. And ultimately, we have no life-giving relationships at all. And Jesus sets this mark. He says, look, if you're gonna have great relationships, you've gotta lose yourself in adding value to other people. You've gotta be willing to step outside of yourself and humble yourself and get down and get into life with people. You can't, I mean, Jesus couldn't wash Peter's feet from a distance. We can't get in and love people and serve people at a distance. It doesn't happen that way. We're not created to do it that way. We're not wired for it that way. And we've got to get in and experience this. And when, when we do, there's, there's a whole dynamic that changes about our relationships. In the church and outside of the church is we recognize our relationships are, are, are an environment to give and receive encouragement. I mean, there's a lot of you that, that are good encouragers. And I want to challenge you. You need to be able to receive that encouragement as well because good encouragers a lot of times are good at building other people up, but then when you try to give them a compliment or try to encourage them, they're like, oh, no, 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 it's okay, don't, don't, don't. We never outgrow our need for both. We never outgrow our need to give encouragement to other people and be encouraged by other people. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And so we've got to understand that in the church, we have a responsibility to build each other up. In the New Testament, there's over 59 one another's. Love one another, serve one another, build one another, encourage one another. We've got, it's, it's the idea of spiritual family. We don't do this walk with Jesus alone. And the church is a, should be at the forefront of leading how these relationships look to a culture and to a world that so desperately needs to see healthy relationships. And we understand that as we encourage, we're encouraged. As we build up, we're being built up. And we find this great environment of encouragement. The other thing is, is we realize that we, we grow in how we love and serve one another. There just becomes this place where, where it's kind of the with one another, we begin to, to love one another more. We begin to serve one another. I mean, it's going back to... Um, Man, church is just an interesting group of people if you really step back and look at it. I mean, if you could see it from my perspective, I mean, none of us have no business being in a room together without Jesus, right? I mean, we come from a lot of different areas, a lot of different backgrounds. We walked in here this morning with a lot of different issues. But Jesus brings us into a place where we grow in how we love and serve. And then outward from here, that begins to change things. All you did was went shopping and bought backpacks and school supplies. And a school was encouraged because a church loved them and served them without wanting anything in return. I don't want anything from the schools, but I want a lot for them. 
I don't want anything from you, but I want a lot for you. And we grow in that relationship. We grow in how we love and serve one another. This isn't just true in our spiritual development. This, this translates into every area of our life. This is, this is true in how you relate to your kids. Are you teaching your kids how to love and serve others? Our kids, they take cues of relationships from us. Men, if you've got daughters, are you training them for what they need to look for in a man? I go out on date night with my girls. Hey, a real man's gonna open the door for you. Baby, a real man's gonna pick up the check. You know why I say that like that now? Because I'm picking up the check for a wedding. <laughs> so just back off. <laughs> Boys, <laughs> you buying dinner. I'll get the wedding, you buying dinner. Men, moms, are you showing your sons what it looks like? to set some expectations for a godly husband. See, we set that model. How are you loving and serving one another in your home? How are we doing that in the church? And then what happens is when Jesus gives us this restart, this restart in our thinking about how we relate by loving one another the way Jesus loves us and by seeing his example and how he serves us and gave his life for us, then we, can, we experience a depth of relationship. Why? Because we begin to see people the way Jesus sees people. I believe there's something incredibly powerful that happens when we can operate in a relation, relational level like this. Because most of us don't get outside of ourselves with relationships. When I, when, I, when I see this, it becomes supernatural, it becomes powerful, and there's a world that so desperately wants to see authentic, genuine relationships that transcend the little division things that our culture tries to put in. Our society really wants to keep us as people divided. And the church has to be on the front, has to lead that front. That when we see people the way Jesus sees people, then here's the thing. We end up in some very deep, life-giving, rich relationships because we're learning from one another. I'm talking about the church being multicultural, multi-generational, and just crossing all these lines where when we begin to see the people the way Jesus sees people, we don't look at the economic dividers. We don't start to reconcile, well, they don't, they don't have as much money as I do, so I can't hang out with them. You throw that to the side. Or let me, I'm gonna throw it on the other side. You don't look at people who have a lot of money and go, there's no way they could relate to my life. Seeing people the way Jesus sees people moves beyond an economic barrier. It moves beyond a racial barrier. It moves beyond a generational barrier. Because here's what we learn. We have a lot to learn from the people God created on this planet. And when we operate in unity and relationships and seeing people the way Jesus sees people, we begin to learn incredible things from each other. We begin to experience life at a deeper level because we get outside of our little box of, of what we consider safe and we experience a depth and a richness of relationship from people who teach us, people who we learn from each other. We experience things together. 
I mean, the church has got to be at the front of this. If the church is a reflection of the kingdom, the kingdom is diverse. And we do this generationally too. Let me, let me just say something. If you're a younger generation or millennials in the room, um, this is not an excuse, but somewhere along the line, us older generations have feel like we've earned the right to pick on you. And, and, and I'm a Gen Xer and I get it honestly because the baby boomers picked on me, okay? And their parents picked, it's a generational thing, okay? But here, it's not an excuse, but here's the thing. We've got to look beyond generations because we learn from each other. We invest in each other, right? The millennial generation, y'all gonna be the ones taking care of me. And I want, I want to help you take care of me. I want to live long enough to be a burden on my children. <laughs> so if you're a younger generation, let me encourage you to serve and learn from somebody older than you are. If you're part of the older generation, stop saying these punk kids, they don't go, they don't go to get it right. You know what? Roll up your sleeve, get in a relationship with somebody younger than you and start pouring your wisdom in. It's the same thing. We, we can talk the same thing with race. We got, we've got racial issues in our nation. They don't get fixed by ignoring them. They get fixed by the church being Jesus. So you know what? It's time for the church to get outside of ourselves and start experiencing relationships at a deeper level. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. I believe there's something supernatural that happens when we walk in relationships like this. Why? Because that's the way Jesus commanded it. By the way, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He says, this is what you are to do. If you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna be my disciple, you're gonna love people the way I love you. And I'm gonna show you how to love people. I'm gonna set this model for you. And when people see that, they're drawn to it. Because there's something that is life-giving and it produces a depth of life that we and it's just soul filling. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to get outside of yourself this week. It might start with this. Maybe you need to let Jesus get up in the awkwardness of your business. Don't say, you ain't washing my feet. You're not coming into this area of my life, Jesus. But let him get in the awkwardness of your life. Maybe it starts there, but it can't end there because when you let Jesus in, he says, now you have a part of what I'm doing. Let's go do it. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And Jesus, we, just, we thank you that you set an example, that you set the model, that you don't ask us to do anything that you haven't already done. And so we invite you, Jesus, to come into the awkwardness of our space. 
Jesus, we invite you to get in and, and, and wash those areas where we've allowed division or excuses of past hurts or, or toxic relationships. We've just allowed these excuses to keep us from operating in relationships the way you've called us to. So we ask you to wash us this morning. We ask you to give us fresh eyes to see people the way you see people. Help us to love and serve others the way you love and serve us. Jesus, we ask you to get into our space so that we can share in what you're doing in the called us out. You've set us in a family. I pray that you help us show the world what it means to be connected in this family. Help us to change some things in the world around us through your power at work in us. And we pray all this for your glorious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at